0: Welcome to L&D Disrupt, the podcast dedicated to helping you overcome workplace challenges and prepare for the future of work today. I'm your host, Nelson Sivalenga, and I'll be speaking with the movers, shakers and pathbreakers in L&D who are reshaping their organisations right now. Join us each week as we delve into the highs and lows of work in the industry to get to the real nitty-gritty stuff that you actually care about. Alright, so we're shaking things up in this episode as I'm joined by my friend, colleague, How Now's OG, our head of customer success, Lulu Damesh. She has tons of experience helping customers um, implement their learning platform across multinational uh, companies. So in today's episode, we're gonna focus on the do's and don'ts of implementing a learning platform. What are the most common pitfalls and how you could tackle those? Head on. So without further ado, welcome Luli. Luli, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Nelson, how are you doing?
0: So, just so everyone knows, we've just spent the last half an hour figuring out who's going to say what joke um, and trying to make sure we get this right because neither of us have ever done this before.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> we, we've had many conversations and, and long, deep conversations about many things, but we've not actually been recorded talking about um, LD. So this is a first for both of us. Um, here's hoping it goes well. Um, so Lulu, thanks for taking the time out. And we're obviously today gonna speak about what are the most common pitfalls when people are implementing um, a learning platform within the organization. You've obviously done many of these. Um, and so we just wanna tackle what are the pitfalls and how can people overcome those pitfalls? Right. That's the plan. That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, I
1: think that's what we agreed on, Nelson. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) Let's try to
0: stick with that. So what are the pitfalls, Lily? Tell me.
1: Yeah, I think we probably want to start with one of the main ones, which is um, not communicating the reason why. Um, and the purpose. So we've seen you know a lot of companies growing scale up startups that are just starting at this game of LND. and um, one of the main issues that can happen is internal communication, uh, lack of clarity around a project. So maybe you can uh, you can tell us a bit more about that, but this is definitely from our perspective when implementing LND. this is one of the main thing that we've seen. Do you have some tips perhaps
0: on that? Well, no, I completely get what you're talking about because people almost expect uh, others should get excited at the fact that we're launching a learning platform. But in reality, no one else cares um, that you're launching a learning platform. And it's really important. You know, what is it? Simon Sinek's famous YouTube talk now, people buy what, they don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And I think often L&D, we spend a lot of time talking about what we do, right? We talk about the fact that all of these courses and training programs and learning platforms, but we don't talk about why we do it. And completely agree. I think if we spoke about the why, people would be able to connect with it. Like, you know, the why is such a powerful one as well. The idea that we can help you become more successful at what you do every day that's an idea that every individual within the company can get behind um and almost that's what lnd don't do enough of right um yeah
1: so uh, to add as well to what you say it's not yeah it's not only the the why because sometimes it can be very understood what the why is at the time of buying the platform or implementing a new project new strategy but then it's communicating across because it can sometimes get lost in translation or in you know implementing something where yes it was very clear and understood at the very beginning But then perhaps two months down the line at the launch day or six months down the line when new starters join the company, they might have lost that message. And it's got lost in, you know, the overwhelming amount of information we get every day. So that's super important as well to keep reiterating this why often enough so that it doesn't get lost ever. And and Um, I guess that
0: leads into another pitfall right? we were talking about before, which is around marketing, because... Marketing can really help you communicate that why um, to different people. And I think sometimes that's overlooked where you've just bought this platform, but now actually you need to get your customers, your internal customers, excited um about this product and why it's going to add value to them. And and marketing is the way to do that. And almost thinking like marketers you know, like you said, hyping before it gets out there by communicating to buy. And it can also be a useful way of getting your stakeholders and the executive team excited uh, about what you're going to do in the company. Have you seen examples of like marketing done really well in customers we work with?
1: Yeah, we've seen very well and a little bit less well. And I think very much, uh, as you say, it's so important to get the marketing team involved very early on. Um, sometimes there is no marketing team and it might just be the LND and HR team, which is also fine, but it's exactly have this switch on of, okay, how do we want to, to communicate that? And also, you know, we have seen amazing um, scaling up uh, companies that have created learning brands from sc- very much scratch. And they were what, two, three people, but yeah. they have really done this exercise of thinking, okay, how would our people resonate with uh, the brand we want to create, with the project that we are doing? And of course, it has been a tremendous success because they have put themselves in the shoes of their people. And then they've done this exercise of communicating. And again, going back to the first point, communicating the why, communicating across um, the, the business, which takes us to Perhaps the the third uh, pitfall that we have seen a lot is having, you know, silos and lack of cross-functional collaboration within uh, the organization. So maybe do you you have some some stuff that you want to share on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, the cross-functional thing, I mean, it starts even before you start implementing your learning platform. right? I think often... you know, NLD teams often leave it till too late, even in the buying process. Like, I know we both had experiences where IT, for example, don't get involved in the sales process right until they're about to sign and they're like, oh, maybe we should check this with with IT, Uh, or maybe the stakeholder um, should also input on this. And I think it's, Really important from an LD perspective to get all of these different stakeholders involved from the get-go. Um, because it also helps you avoid the situation where you know, we've seen companies where um different departments are implementing their own learning platform because they weren't aware of the company-wide decision to, to get and roll out a learning platform. And you know, you're gonna end up in situations like that when you have silos because. A, they weren't consulted on what their requirements and needs were. Um, And so the department leads probably don't know whether you're buying something that's actually going to help them solve their problem. And on the other hand, maybe they weren't even aware. And that's the worst kind. And, And going back to marketing again, when you don't do a good job of marketing what's on offer, the worst case scenario is people don't even know what's on offer. And so you're putting all this time and effort in creating great learning resources, this building this uh, brand to put out the learning platform, but you're not doing a good job of getting it out to them. And therefore it ends up being a waste, right? Because the bottom line is any learning that doesn't add value to your internal customers is a waste. And it doesn't matter how beautiful it looks, how great it looks and how clever it sounds, if it didn't connect with your internal customer and they weren't able to apply and improve, it's a waste. Um, and that's really where all of these things come in, bringing your different departments together. And, and with marketing, I remember, I don't know if you remember, one of our earliest customers we, we worked with um, was a fast-growing um, tech company, and, and they did this really cool thing where they changed everyone's, um, it's this screensaver, right? They They changed.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was a screensaver on everybody's laptop, uh, business laptops. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is it was super cool. Like no one knew what was coming, but they knew to anticipate something, which created a good kind of conversation and excitement around the fact that this learning brand was being uh, launched. Uh, I know other organisations we've worked with have created like teaser videos um, featuring some of their own people which makes it a lot more uh, relatable and um, which I thought is is great some of the things that we've seen happen um using social channels i think sometimes internal teams overlook using company social channels because they think surely that's just for the external facing um, audience but actually no people who work in the company are also following you on these social channels um anything else that you've seen people do really well? yeah
1: oh my gosh yeah we have so many we've seen so many great initiatives we've had people um sending swag packs on launching day so that you know they had chocolates and mugs and things like with the new learning brand that they had created to create a bit of excitement oh, cool. and it was a big event so we've seen that um some other companies did a uh, face-to-face kind of launch event where everybody was uh in the office and well that was before back in the days (laughs) but um some companies did that um there was some uh town halls to announce it to uh the entire business to create a bit of a hype before and then you know a series of of webinars so they you know, customer keeps surprising us on a daily basis. They always come up with new ways of announcing it. Some did like bingos, uh, bingo games and things like that, just to create a bit of excitement about whatever project they they've run.
0: Another good one, actually, I guess it's the idea of kind of influencer programs. Um, why don't you talk about the, the champions? You're like, I know we've done that a few times in organizations where you build a community of champions. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so usually uh, the champions are kind of selected during the implementation phase um, and they usually are people that are helping during the pilot phase um, to test the product, to test the initiatives, the learning initiatives that have been created. But they are also, um, you know, learning influencer in terms of they can be from anywhere in the business whether it's geographical uh, region, also different job titles, job roles, teams, etc. But there are people that, you know, either they really, they learn on a daily basis and they are known for that, or they are influencing other people to learn. And this is really important because they are going to be the very first people who have a say in what is needed what is required what people are asking they're a little bit despised within the business for the lmd and hr team because they know they have a say for other people and they're going to start building this knowledge kind of sharing culture within the business and obviously you know you can implement the greatest platform if you don't have any leaders at the top of it things might slow down slightly so the champions are usually people that are on top of the HR and Lnd team that are implementing uh, the platform, there are uh, people that are also going to push. No, they are going to push. Oh, well, 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 well. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're also going to push and influence other people to, to know what is okay to share and perhaps give a bit of a, an example so that they're the first one jumping in the pool of knowledge and then people will usually follow by example. So, yeah, we've seen quite a lot of... Um, of really uh, successful champion programs happening. Um, and it's important as well for, not only for the business, but for us to understand what works, what doesn't work, so that they have feedback while they give it to us. And it doesn't always come from, you know, an administrative kind of perspective or a management perspective. It also comes from the end users. And that's important to have this kind of 360 round approach so that we understand really what everyone uh, involved in the platform wants and needs and requires that then we can give best suggestions to uh, the L&D teams.
0: Lulu, there's so much good stuff in that. I I don't want to break up some of the things because I love love the point around um, and I think it's a really important point that the champions that you choose, they don't have to be people in leadership roles. And I think often this is one of the mistakes people make is they think to have influence, you need to be in a um, quote-unquote senior role or leadership role Um, actually in reality yeah there's somewhat of an influence and hence the reason why someone's in a leadership role but there are many many influences in the business who might not have a leadership role but almost sometimes have as much influence that they've earned it's the social capital of you know that person who's Uh, like Lulu is an influencer at How Now. it's that person who, uh, you know, is out at the socials, has a great relationship with everyone, um, a personable relationship, and regardless of whether they're in their own team or not. And I think it's finding people like that who have that social capital and influence um, and leveraging that to to get the kind of message out there, um, I thought was, is a really, really good point because especially success stories, um, I think if you've got, I know we had one organization we work with where they had one particular team who had adopted the how now much faster than the other teams. And I know they started using that particular team as a success story to kind of market it to the rest of the team, going, look, this is what value you can get when you adopt and use this um, properly. And that kind of leads me into something I wanted to ask you about, Lulu, around implementing based on we talk about use cases, right, is rather than just launching a platform and going, here you go, use it for learning, um, actually structuring the implementation around solving problems so you're able to drive adoption from day one. So how does that work?
1: Yeah, I think it's important. Um, we we realized that, yes, it might have been at first, people want to do everything and everything at once. But we know the brain works one thing at the time. So we had to kind of structure that a little bit when implementing um, how now, just because you can always build on top of things, but we need to focus on a few things at the time so that, you know, you can, oh, it's almost the, the gift that keeps on giving, right? So if you start with, let's say two um, two main use cases that you know, you know your people require and need, um, then you can really make it not perfect because things are going to be reiterated, but you can make it great, and then uh, on top of that, keep building. So yeah, we found that it's a m- much preferable approach. Um, one, especially with you know smaller SMBs and mid-market companies, just because they don't necessarily have all of the resources to have everybody involved at once, but it's also to kind of have the time to stabilize a little bit what they are implementing. So we know, for example, onboarding is really required for, uh, for businesses because people are spending so much time and effort to try and give a consistent experience. But we know even if I try my best at giving twice the same experience, I'm going to be in a different mood, I'm going to forget to send one slide, I'm going to forget, you're going to forget to do a session with them, <laughs> so we really need to make sure that the uh, approach is consistent, so we, let's say, we would decide, okay, onboarding is one of the first one, based on the customer requirements, and then we'll keep building on top of that, to then progressively involve these champions, Uh, that are in, for example, in the implementation, involve uh, IT for a specific use case that they are required, involve et cetera. So we can always build on top of that. And that's been much easier from, I think, you know, a customer success approach, but also we know it's been much smoother uh, for the customers because at least it takes a little bit away the, oh my gosh, we have to do everything. And where do we start? It's overwhelming. So at least we can focus efforts and uh, help them that, that and, way.
0: And it kind of takes you away from this kind of big bang launch, right? I think often what happens is, you know, people wait for months and months to, to get it perfect um and what they kind of overlook is the risk that you could spend six months trying to get it right and it could still be wrong on the day you launch so you're better off kind of starting to test it in small ways and be more agile in your approach right so picking a handful of use cases then prioritizing one use case planning your launch around really nailing and solving that problem for that target audience learn from it you know people might say you could have improved your messaging um you know you could have improved the way you were sending out the comms or the content that you had on it take that feedback then go to your second audience apply that feedback and you will be better and so that way you're gradually getting better by the time you roll it out to the entire company rather than you know, risking getting it wrong for everyone on on day one and sometimes there's too much pressure as well it's more important you solve the problem than you have a company-wide um big launch and another yeah. one I was going to ask and
1: just was- on top of that so sorry I'm going to interrupt you <laughs> yeah, that's what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah on top of that is I think we've we have learned a lot, and of course, how now we do mis- we make mistakes, uh, but we learn from it really quickly. And we had to tell that and to tell that to the customers as well, because as you say, they were trained to do everything at once, and it was a lot of pressure. But actually, when they realised they didn't have to, I think it it made things so much smoother on an implementation level. Um, and as I said, it's always great to keep on giving new use cases new content new ways of uh, using the platform so i think it was it's becoming fun for the lnd teams to actually implement the the system because they keep thinking of oh my gosh we have new things we want to add on top on top on top so that means that you know they can foresee in six months time they know that they want to do project one and two and three but they don't have to deliver everything at once so it's a little bit more uh, exciting i guess for them and for the users too
0: yeah and getting on content right content's a big part of when we're working on implementation we're often discussing doing like a content audit or migrating content from elsewhere um but i guess one of the most important things during that is how relevant is that content when someone comes into that learning platform for the first time? So when someone comes into your instance of how now, what do they see? Do they see things that connect and are relevant to them? And a really great way of doing that is getting people from within the company to create and share content. Because straight away, it is relevant. Because these are people I know who are finding and sharing things. Um, that are going to be relevant to the space that our company are in it's going to be relevant to our company Um, and also I'm interested in knowing oh what are other people in in the company learning right whether we work in the same team or not I'm curious oh so and so has just shared this thing saying it's useful I don't know something about leadership or working productively uh, in a remote world and that layer of um social learning and and knowledge sharing straight away gives you an air of relevance that you wouldn't get by dumping a million courses on someone and saying, here you go, here's some useful content. So I think a great way of being relevant from day one, even if it's not a case of getting everyone to share knowledge, I think create content that features um, people from within your company, like something as simple as uh, create a podcast series with The managers within your company right i will come to the learning platform because that's the only place where i can hear this podcast that features people i know from the company or if you're going to create compliance training or any other type of video content audio content feature people from within the organization it straight away personalizes it, makes it relevant Um, and i think that's a great way of capturing your culture in those early days of when you implement um your, your learning platform. I think we've spoken about some of the major ones. Anything else, Lulu, we've missed?
1: No, but I think um, from what you were saying regarding the, the, the knowledge and who creates the knowledge, it's, we, there is a change of how we learn. There is a change of who can share knowledge nowadays. And I think it's very important to reiterate that it shouldn't be top down anymore because People, No matter where they are in the business, it could be a new joiner that has spent 10 years in a different sector. We all have a word to say that's so philosophical. (laughs) (laughs) But we all have something to share. And it's so important to enable that within a business because too often it has to come from a manager one that says you guys have to you have to learn this or um you know it could be perhaps uh, the the g suite that it is implementing so i think it's really important to kind of relax that in company and enabling people to share that and making sure that they understand and they know that it's okay for them to share because they are knowledgeable everybody at whatever level they are. Um, so I think, yeah, that would also help, as you said, for this, the, the social learning element of things as well. And and it, it, want
0: tackles to, to, it tackles the whole thing around, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard this as well, but some people, when it comes to knowledge sharing, and if especially when it's new to their company, um, they're like, but is there a way of approving or moderating what people are posting, right? It's yeah. not scalable if if a handful of lnd people had to approve or disapprove of every bit of knowledge that's being shared in a company you're never going to be able to build a social learning knowledge sharing culture um you're better off approaching it where You let people share and then you have the tools for moderation, like within how now, for example, you can flag something if it's inappropriate. Um, You know, you can verify things to make sure it's accurate um, and, and up to date. So there are different tools to use. So the community are empowered to moderate the content rather than a handful of people, because People will never feel empowered to share if they always feel like gatekeepers who are constantly going to, you know, who are the ones who are going to check and allow and disallow things to go through. So I think it's important. It's a mindset shift, right? And often, I mean, I guess we've not really touched on this, but during implementation, one of the biggest things people often think it's the technical implementation, but actually in this day and age, SaaS tools are very, they work out of the box. It's very quick and easy to set up and up and running the bigger challenge is actually the mindset shift, right? Do you, yeah. what, what are you kind of experiences there, Lulu, with people who are kind of moving from one type of learning culture and they're trying to shift it and that's the reason why they got how now? What are some of the challenges you see there?
1: Well, I'm gonna say, I'm French, Is free the knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so important to exactly that, make sure that it, there is no breaks in every step of the way to share anything. Um, and of course you can, you can have, you know, principles and uh, make sure that people are aware of the main values and how to share the content and what not to share. But at some point as well, we, we need to accept that certain teams are going to share certain information and it's going to be, required. they shared it because at some point they thought it was relevant. So why not leaving this happen uh, in, in the remit of their team? And also... Yeah, I think it's it's good to have these verifiers, et cetera, because you can make sure that the knowledge that you share is always relevant and is always up to date. I think that's one thing that is also important to keep in mind is, of course, people are usually saying, ah, oh, but what if it becomes just a knowledge dump and it's, you can have everything and anything? Well, that's again, you empower people to make sure that they keep that knowledge up to date. And have a, a feeling of ownership around something so that it becomes, again, it builds on top of what you've created as a learning culture. Yeah. Um, so. it, and it's
0: a type of curation, right? Like it's it's not yeah. different to if you're using LinkedIn or any other social network, you're curating the content you see by the people you follow, right? The, the people you follow and the things that you like. And it's the same within the organization is essentially by getting people to share knowledge, they're pre-filtering The world of content that's out there they're picking something out by saying actually here's a book i find useful here's a blog i find useful here's a podcast i find useful and i think for companies to be able to learn at the speed that they need to learn today you need to like you said before shift from a top down to a bottom-up approach where people own their own development and their learning and a part of that learning is sharing what they know It's not just consuming stuff from others. It's also contributing um, and sharing. Well, Lily, I think we've covered a fair few pitfalls. Any final words?
1: Yes, that knowledge is very vast uh, and it needs to be defined as well in terms of what is shared uh, within the business. But it has to be, it has to happen. Knowledge and sharing from everyone needs to happen. It's so critical.
0: Lily? Thank you very much for coming on and having a coffee with me on the show. Um, until you. next time, hopefully, you'll be back bye again. Bye.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully.
0: <laughs> All right, until next time. As always, I loved my chat with Lulu and learned a lot and I hope you did too. Whether you're implementing a learning platform for the first time or simply looking for ways to drive more adoption and engagement to your existing learning platform, I hope that chat gave you some inspiration. You can find more details Um, about myself and Lulu in the show notes and also some of the references you'll find in the show notes. If you found this content useful, then please do like, subscribe or share it with your colleagues and your friends. Until next time, have a good one.